Hey, pals. We're the gals, and we're coming back at you with another fun-filled week. Weekend. This time is special. You know, we're in the midst of the holiday season. All the holidays. We've got the new year coming up next week. A lot of stuff's happening. So we thought, let's give you a little, little special something. A gift from the gals to the pals. A little something, something to ruffle your feathers, to think about. You got it. We got a conspiracy for you. Enjoy my singing. Thank you. That was absolutely beautiful. I would like that at the start of every conspiracy episode. Uh, but yes, this to- this month, our, our conspiracy topic is uh, harp. So we were looking around for some conspiracy theories and we're like, Alaska, let's see what's happening over there. And we're going to talk about what's happening over there in Alaska. So if you want to just, let's just, let's just rip those band-aids off. You know what I'm saying? Harp is not that wonderful musical instrument that makes you look like a sexy Roman deity with a toga stringing some, you know, touching some strings and eating grapes and shit. That's not what we're talking about. Eating grapes. <laughs> we're talking about the high frequency active auroral research program. Yeah, that's that's a lot of big fucking words. So, you know, what is what is that program? What does that mean to, to you and me, the everyday folks? Well, it's technically a big science compound where they study shit going on in the atmosphere. So specifically, they study the properties and behavior of the ionosphere. Uh, And we'll get more into what that is, you know, a little bit later. So the HARP research facility is located in a remote tundra-y part of Alaska. So it's like a like 11 miles past or like past the 11 mile marker on the Glen Highway. I'm not from Alaska. Don't know where that is, but Glen Highway. It sits behind like barbed wire fences around the whole compound. And it's like the barbed wire stretches as far as you can see because their compound sits on 33 acres of land. So that's a lot of land just, just for this research compound. So, well, what's on this? You, You know, are you thinking tons of huge buildings or like you know air hangar like what is on these it, it, it just it's just some some towers some over some hundreds of oversized antennas so they have about 180 antennas and by what we mean they're not like little baby antennas these are 72 feet tall antennas and they're approximately 80 feet apart and all of that sits on 33 big acres of land. So it's all those antennas plus a little research building. And what those antennas do, at least what Harp tells us they do, is that they collect data about the aurora borealis. You know, all those beautiful lights in the Alaskan sky. One of the wonders of our, our natural world. Uh, they collect data on radio waves, atmospheric occurrences. A part of their research is also studying like GPS stuff and navigation and, and how all that works out in our, our atmosphere. So so they really kind of do s- stuff regarding like radio waves, f- certain types of frequency waves. So HARP is the world's most capable high power frequency emitter f- for the purpose of studying the ionosphere. 
um, and it's committed to like developing like wor- this world class like research facility that they have. Uh, so they do have they call it the ionospheric research instrument, which is the high power transmitter facility like running uh, in the high frequency range. So this specific instrument that they have is used to temporarily excite or heat up a small portion of the ionosphere. And then they study what that does, you know, f- you know, for scientific purposes. Uh, they don't sort of do these things on the regular. They kind of do them, you know, studies in, in every couple months or so. And the reason we can say that with some certainty is because people who live uh, within the range of HARP in, in that part of Alaska, whenever the HARP facility starts a research, like, or turns on, uh, some of the instruments, some of the antennas that they have, you can hear like a real, you can look it up. I encourage you to look it up online. It's a really like loud, like high pitched sound. And it just, so like, you know, when it's on, cause you can hear it and people ca- can hear it for miles. And that's how, you know, like, oh, they're doing something up there. Do you um, think that's like what it's like when sonar is underwater and the dolphins and shit hear it? Oh, that's a really hmm. That, I don't know. I, I don't know really, why I just thought of that, but that's what made sense in my head in that quick second. No, nah, that's a really cool assumption. That's interesting. I don't know. I mean it wasn't a pleasant sound for me, so I hope not, but I did not quite like the sound. Right. Maybe that's why we always get those beached whales and shit. Uh, not wrong, not wrong. <laughs> we can say that for another time, sorry. No, you're good. That's a good, that's a good point. <laughs> so so we did some research, we did some digging to tell you about HARP. Obviously, if we're going to talk about it, there's some conspiracy theories around it. But we'll get into that after we let you know what it is. Well, you know, we want you to make your own assumptions. So who owns HARP? I do. You know, is it like... A secret band of billionaires or the government or multiple governments, you know, who owns it, right? So tech, so it's kind of a little bit of a complicated situation. So for 25 years, um, the Air Force Research Laboratory of Space Vehicles Dictorate at Kirkland Air Force Base in New Mexico and the University of Alaska Fairbanks had collaborated on the research at HARP. Um, however, that Air Force research base uh, around the early 2010s, uh, their funding for research and development had decreased. So there was a lot of threats to cut funding and, and, not be, and to close down HARP, essentially. However, a lot of people who worked at HARP uh, thought that this was a one-of-a-kind sort of research thing. And, you know, we went through the trouble of building 33 acres worth of something in the remote Alaskan tundra. And we're just going to, you know, throw that away. So in 2015, uh, they sort of came into like a research agreement. Um, So technically, the research equipment was transferred over to the University of Alaska Fairbanks, UAF, under an educational partnership agreement. So technically, on the books, the the Air Force gave HARP to the University of Alaska. 
um, but it was under a cooperative research and development agreement. So these sorts of agreements, though, like happen act sort of often in the government. They're unique agreements, and they the whole point of them is to provide access to government funded resources um, to things that may not be owned outright by the government. So it's actually a common practice for a lot of government agencies to transfer ownership of equipment to universities and stuff, but still continue to, to financially support them in certain capacities for so, the, so for the sake of them continuing uh, the scientific research that they're doing. So technically, the University of Alaska Fairbanks began to own HARP in 2015. Um, but prior to that, the U.S. Air Force technically was in charge of it. So does that mean even though they technically transferred power and they don't fund anymore, like, do they have access? Do you think that they still have access to the research that is being done? I, I don't doubt that at all. I, I definitely think that they do. Techn- a lot of people, you know, we'll get into this later, but technically HARP and the research that HARP does isn't classified. Uh, but there's a lot of speculation that there are certain classified documents um, that the military gets to see that the that isn't released publicly. I feel so, that's how it is with most government things now. I mean, yeah, I agree. There's only so much released to the public. Yeah, for sure. Especially if they're getting government funds in some way. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't put it past them. Right. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I know you're asking, why Australia? It's up there. It's far away. Nobody really looks at it. So why did we build this big-ass compound in Alaska? So I have a quick question. Yeah, what's up? What's in Australia? What do you mean, what's in Australia? You said, so why Australia? I said, why Alaska? I said Australia? Yes, Goddamn. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Wait, they got another secret no uh, it's because one of the husbands from the real housewives of potomac is from australia (laughs) alaska it's in alaska my god (laughs) so it's in alaska and uh, why you ask you know why alaska because it's over there it's far away but apparently there were six criteria that Alaska seemed to perfectly fit. And that's the reason that it was built there. So one, Alaska is within the auroral zone. I mean, if you wanted to study the aurora borealis, you kind of need to be where it's at. Makes sense. Um, It's near a major Alaskan highway for year-round access. So I guess it's just not too difficult for people to commute there. But it's far away enough from like densely populated areas that there's not really any electrical noise, like noise pollution or light or unnecessary light pollution. Uh, It's on relatively flat terrain. Makes sense because you want all these antennas to sort of be on the same level for the purposes of the studies. Uh, It's had realistic and reasonable construction and operational costs so it wasn't super expensive they did have to clear it's in the middle of like alaskan wilderness so they did have to clear those 33 acres worth of trees but i guess it was because it was such undeveloped land all they really had to do was clear the trees and then build on top of that so i guess it wasn't as expensive as figuring other things out yeah right. and apparently 
they said that building it specifically in that location also had minimal environmental impacts. So those were sort of the criteria that they were looking for a place in Alaska ended up being that place. No, at least that's that's one good side about it. Right, you know. Right. (laughs) So so we're like, bro, why why was harp starting? So I got so so I have you know, I've been going through these questions so you fully understand what we're dealing with. So between 1990 and 2014, as you know, that was before they transferred ownership to the University of Alaska at Fairbanks. Um, it was owned by the air. It was jointly owned. At least certain programs were by the Air Force, the United States Air Force and the United States Navy. So there, the goal of the research that was conducted under the ownership of the military was for the physical and electronic electrical properties of the ionosphere, which can like affect military and civilian communication systems um, and navigation systems, GPS stuff. Uh, so they were trying to fit you to, to do some research on that to better sort of enhance navigation systems and whatnot. And we'll get more into that, into why specifically the ionosphere, because it makes sense, I guess. And lastly, who are the people at HARP? So who works at HARP? Since technically, the weekend. So you commute to Alaska yeah. regularly? Yep. It only takes me like 15 hours. I don't know what you mean. Okay. I leave Friday night. I mean, Friday morning, excuse me, um, and come back uh, Monday m- morning. Yep. That's a weekend. Oh, my God. Well, I'll have some, cu- I have some questions for you. Um, <laughs> the answer is no, yes, yes, no, purple, pink, 42. I'm fucking dead. Good night. <laughs> oh. So who works at Harp? Not you and not me. <laughs> Put that out there for the world to know. Uh, but scientists, obviously. Uh, but who specifically? So technically, you uh, physicists, engineers, students as well, um, government scientists, whatever that broad term means, and scientists from certain commercial firms that have an interest in sort of communication and radio science theory. But several universities actually have have a hand at HARP or have in the past, you know, since some students go there to study. So some of the colleges that have had pro- joint programs with HARP, whether they be current or, or in the past, include obviously the University of Alaska, Stanford, Penn State, Boston College, Dartmouth, um, Cornell, University of Maryland, University of uh, Massachusetts, MIT, Clemson, uh, University of Tulsa, and the University of California at Los Angeles. So those are just some of the colleges and universities that like have had some sort of program with HARP in the past. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, so it seems to be like a really huge, you know, educational opportunity and and, and a very science, like a, a really cool scientific thing to study since we really don't know a whole lot about the ionosphere. We don't really know a whole lot about the planet that we live on. So makes sense. There's a lot to study, I guess. I mean, shit. We don't even know what's in our waters. You're right. You're correct about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're correct. <laughs> Ooh, maybe we can do that one next time. Trust me, we can. (laughs) 
Uh, but but tell me, friend, do you know what the ionosphere is? Um, no, but upon further research, I can tell you. Lay it on me. <laughs> the ionosphere supposedly stretches roughly between 50 and 400 miles right above the Earth's surface, which is like right at the edge of space, like right before you cannot breathe in any type of oxygen is where the ionosphere is. Um, so it's along with the neutral like upper atmosphere, it forms the boundary between Earth's lower atmosphere and what we know as the vast space. So Earth's ionosphere overlaps uh, with the top of our atmosphere at the very beginning of space and the sun basically puts all the gases in that area on a grill and they lose a couple of electrons, which makes all of that mm, space in between electric, bleh, electrically charged. And so, you know where you get, that's where, that's why you get to see fancy lights passing through our atmosphere sometimes. It's because of those charges. So this is where many of our Earth orbiting satellites hang out, like those kind of blinking lights you see in the sky sometimes, which you can't really tell is a plane. And you really don't think it's a plane because it a plane can't stay still like that. It, it's a satellite, that's what it is. Um, that's where the International Space Station is too. So if you look up on the right night, you might be able to see it. I don't know the coordinates and shit, you gonna have to look that up. Um, so as NASA explains on their website, so you can go check this out yourself. The ionosphere is important because it reflects radio waves and scatters GPS signals, which allows us on Earth to communicate and navigate. So that's how your cell phones like Google Maps work. That's how your dad's big ass GPS set in his car works. And that's how you get to listen to music in the car or in the shower, or else we wouldn't be able to have that frequency. However, the ionosphere is constantly changing. And what this means is that airglow which is what we call the bright lights that shine from Earth's atmosphere, um, can interchange between colors, which means the frequency is changing, which means it's picking up on different signals. It happens when atoms and molecules in the upper atmosphere become excited by the sunlight. They basically get really, really heated, quite literally. Um, and they emit light to shed their, ex their excess energy. Because when you get really hot, what do you do? You sit the fuck down and you drink some water and you cool off with a fan. That's basically what these electrons are trying to do. Um, they want to get rid of some of that energy so that they become more stable. And that's how they do it. Or it can happen when atoms and molecules that have been ionized by the sunlight crash into one another. And they take up each other's free electrons. And they're like, oh, this is mine. This makes me more stable because you don't want to ever be unstable, especially when you're heated because that's how problems are caused and you end up in jail. But for these electrons, that's how lights are emitted and frequencies are, are transmitted. So they eject a particle of light, which is called a photon, in order to relax again. Um, it's not just a pretty thing to see because you get to see all these really nice lights in the sky. It's useful as a marker for what happens in the ionosphere because sometimes, um, the gases has its own favorite type of color depending on the gas and the altitude and the type of ex, uh, excited stage that is going on. And they can use them to study, to pinpoint, to understand like different types of, uh, excuse me, 
combinations of gases. They can identify different patterns for different types of year, uh, different points of the year. And it's honestly, it's just a really cool light show that can tell you many things about the Earth that you would never seem to think about. Um, but yeah, it just yeah. lets you know how they behave. True. And, and because the ionosphere is like so technically the boundary between space and Earth, it's affected by both like space weather and the weather we have on Earth. So it's just in such a weird spot that shit can shit happens all the time so the scientists are like we gotta look at that i mean hey that makes sense if this little blob of light can tell me something about the earth or space that i can't read about i will fucking stare at it okay i got you correct correct (laughs) (laughs) so so i know you're probably wondering everyone is Harp seems like a regular, regular old research facility. We got a ton of them. We look at shit in the sky. Great. What's so special about it? What's so conspiratorial? Well, I, I encourage you to Google pictures of the Harp facility. People are like, that's not right. You know, conspiracy theorists beg to freaking differ, bro. So since the mid 1990s, conspiracy theorists have like blamed Harp for. Literally any bad thing that happened. Terrorist attack, Harp did it. Car accidents, tornadoes, hurricanes, floods, earthquakes, uh, bad dates, your mama walking out on your dad, the Harp. Every, Harp did it. So, <laughs> literally, literally, it's blamed for absolutely everything. But it's most and the it's most popular conspiracy theories, and which what we'll we'll go into a little bit more later, is mind control and controlling the weather. So those are really two of the the things that its name often pops up in those circles. There are several websites and like. Uh, conspiracy hunting people that claim to have technology that can spy on harp so they they can see what they're doing and shit and it's suspicious as usual um but harp has obviously come out and put out multiple statements that they do not and cannot control the weather that they can't control anybody's minds that they don't have the energy to do that 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 is not scientifically what they're built to do they don't even have the capabilities so they're obviously denying everything that's ever like that they've any allegations so all that has been denied so in 20 weapon sense right when you're accused of something you should fucking deny it right deny 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 that's what jesus said (laughs) (laughs) you right (laughs) <laughs> in in March of 2010, um, an aerospace and computer engineer uh, named David Nadich sort of explained why he thinks conspiracy theorists like to mess around with HARP. And he said, quote, it's a gigantic, high-energy, Pentagon-funded gizmo located in the remote Alaskan wilderness, and it plays around with the Earth's ionosphere but whose purpose seems deeply mysterious to the scientifically uninformed. So he's he's obviously, he's a scientist, and he's like, y'all just don't know about it, and that's why y'all think it's suspicious. That's However, awesome. I mean, we could say that about absolutely anything. Just look at the oh, end yeah. of the factors. 
But I digress. Another topic for another time. Um, however, you know, Al Zahelski, who lives in Eureka, um, disagrees with, with our good man David here. So Harp has, since 2016, because of all these allegations and conspiracy theories, Harp um, every so often does an open house. So they invite the general public to come around and they give tours of the Harp facility to try to show people that this ain't something crazy. So they've been doing these open houses since 2016. So Wait, as the whole- facility, like actually the entire facility is open. Yeah, they give tours and they'll walk mm-hmm. you around. Anyone, they'll open up the barbed wire gates and you can drive in on the tour date and they'll just walk you around the facility. Mm, they can have a bunker that's closed off that people would never know because it's behind a fake wall. So, right. Yeah. So then, so Al Zahelski, who is a, a dissenter and he's a conspiracy theorist who has other thoughts about what Harp is for, he went to the very first open house in 2016. So Al was like, does, does it make rain? Who's to know? The government tells you some things and the media tells you another thing. Even though it's open to the public, there's a lot of things that they don't tell you about or about what it does. Right. So so he's an army vet and he was completely unimpressed by the open house. And he said, again, we're not getting the whole truth. There's still classified information about this facility. I mean, that makes sense, though. Like, I can look at you dead in your eye and you can tell me that the machine in front of me makes Skittles, even though it actually, I don't know, produces clouds. True. Right. Because, like, you're just going to, you can tell. Yeah. And and that's where a lot of the, that's where some of the conspiracy theorists come from. They're like, yeah, you can give me an open house, but you can tell me what it is. That doesn't mean that's actually what it is. So there's just a, a layer of mistrust going into it. So you can't really convince people who believe it's something else that it's not. I mean, I, I, I fuck with it. I, I understand. Mm-hmm. So Bob McCoy. Uh, Bob McCoy. Bob McCoy. Okay. Who is the director of, Geophys- of the Geophysical Institute at the University of Florida Fairbanks, which, mm-hmm. as we've talked about, operates HARP. McCoy says that he would prefer that people focus on the research that HARPS lets scientists do. So he says, quote, we can transmit signals all around the world. It basically makes the ionosphere a laboratory, and we can do experiments that no one else can do. It's a laboratory without walls. That's fucking scary, though, because then quite literally sky's the limit. You could be talking to aliens and I don't even fucking know. And you're just telling me that you're checking out the fucking, I don't know, droplets of rain. Right. Yeah. But a lot of the scientists who obviously work there want you to focus on the research that it, they've, they've done and, and the things that they found rather than continually questioning the point of like all these conspiratorial ideas. So, I mean, but I found his quote to be a very, the phrasing is very interesting. Ooh, later on. Like he said, he said, we can transmit signals all around the world. So you can interfere with my shit. Right. So I'm like, you know, what does that, what does that mean? What signals are you sending around the world? Like how often? It just raises more questions, I feel. 
It's just a very right. interesting way that he phrases it. And he also said it basically makes the ionosphere a laboratory and we can do experiments that no one else can do. So does that also mean you don't have to tell people about these experiments since you only hire the individuals you know you can trust the most and you guys basically live there? Right. I don't know. Because I'm like him saying that these are experiments that no one else can do. I don't really think there's another facility in this entire world that is built with the capabilities that HARP was built with. So I don't really think a lot of people can do the same ionosphere experiments that they do. They literally heat up a portion of it manually to see what happens. So I think that's where a lot of people get kind of iffy. I mean, shit. <laughs> yeah. But let's let's talk about that weather shit that they be doing. <laughs> when you're on an awkward date and you don't know what to say so you're like so so the weather today right <laughs> Shit, and then they right. go i mean it's funny though and then you're like what <laughs> but yeah, that weather as my wonderful gal said harp is the scientific endeavor aimed at studying the properties and behavior of the ionosphere and as she also said it is the world's most capable high power high frequency transmitter for the study of that so they can temporarily, what that means is that they can temporarily excite a limited area of the ionosphere for scientific study. As she said before, they can j- literally pick a square in the sky and say, I'm going to heat this bitch up and see what happens. So <clears throat> um, I don't know about you, but I know that when our atmosphere gets a little hot, we get rain, you know, because it clashes with the cold or hurricanes. <clears throat> So what's the side effect of us heating up part of our fucking atmosphere because we want to see what happens to the little photons when they do their little dancey dance? Hmm? Let's see. Um, well, the following things that I am about to say are totally not backed by anything factual. It is just what was reported on a few news sites as well as some less... Yeah. It's, it's conspiracy theories. Ain't nothing no. gotta be. It's not factual. It's just what people think happens. Yep. Um, so conspiracy theorists think that HARP um, has been the center of wild speculation with controlling of weather or something even worse. But however, we're going to focus on the weather aspect. The Venezuelan leader, Hugo Chavez, in 2010 said that HARP or a program like it actually triggered the earthquake that happened in Haiti, the awful one that we all know. A leader said this, and this is something that you can look up. He did actually say this. Um, However, as we know, for the record, the Haitian earthquake of 2010, which was awful, was caused by a type of slippage that happened in an unmapped fault. So basically a disc slipped under another disc that scientists were apparently unaware of um, that ran along the border of the Caribbean and North American tectonic plates. So that's why the uh, earthquake had happened. But in 2010, because this leader of a country had said this, it basically tipped off a lot of other individuals who had already believed that HARP 
uh, interfered with our weather and can control different weather aspects of different parts of the world if they so chose, um, it, it basically, a butterfly effect happened. So <clears throat> individuals were then, excuse me, <clears throat> then started saying a bunch of natural phenomenons were done by HARP or that HARP was behind it that they were responsible for the 2011 earthquake and tsunami in Japan, tornado in Oklahoma in 2013, the landslide that happened when 20, 2006 in the Philippines, and many, many, many other natural disasters. They, The theorists who believe these things that have happened have also infiltrated and started their own websites as well due to the constant belief that the weather, due to the uh, disturbance in the weather, that these natural phenomenons are actually man-made phenomenons that are used to control different parts of political aspects that the United States cannot directly control, um, and that they need a lead-in to go in and be the savior for said country or nation that they want to infiltrate, is what a lot of the conspiracy theorists that I have read about have said. Interesting. Right. If you think about it, the United States cannot make like a grand, bold play on certain countries because then other countries would retaliate. However, if a natural disaster did happen and now they need outside help and the United States happens to show up and then say the person that was, I don't know, in office, you know, in order for the United States to help, the United States decides to say, hey, we'd love to give you our help, but we actually want this person as the president. Then, you know, then they get that person as the president and then boom, now you have help. So it's- High key that's fucked up. <laughs> right? But it honestly makes you wonder, like, as I said, everything, except for the Chavez uh, thing as to what he said that Harp said that is factual and you can check me on that Chavez did say that he believed that Harp did it did Harp actually do it no it is a conspiracy um but the theories that the conspiracy individuals come up with really do be hidden sometimes they do I'm not going to lie. they do right so another thing that the conspiracy theorists with the weather control say um, I'm going to actually talk about a couple of other weather control uh, things that they grouped in together, which is the man-made weather manipulation, <clears throat> excuse me, is that they re uh, rely on cloud seeding techniques that force clouds to rain. So basically, they induce cloud formation, which allows individu individuals, allows clouds to produce rain, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so people, the theorists on this website, have listed examples as to why they think that HARP does this. And the first example that they use is that China invests heavily in large projects to ensure sufficient agricultural water supplies. News Corp Australia describes vast ground-based cauldrons or burners that release rain-making silver iodide particles into updrafts. So they're basically saying that they induce rain in order to help with farmers or farming. If you're going into a drought, that they can just make a big-ass rain cloud for you. So the conspiracy theorists say, if China and other countries can do this for their farmers, 
why the fuck can't Harp do it, which is a multi-million dollar company that just fucks around with photons? Why can't they also make a ring cloud? Good and point. It's like, okay, Especially if that's established already. Right? right. And it's like, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. And then they bring up another example, which is the UAE um, also decides to invest weather manipulation. And there are supposedly no ties with HERP, according to the websites that I was on. But because, as you know, it is basically a desert land, uh, United Arab Emirates, uh, there is a great stress on groundwater supply. So according to the Research Program for Rain Enhancement Science, UAE researchers are looking into artifact dispersal cloud seeding to increase rainfall and improve the freshwater supply. And it's like, okay, so we see a pattern here. Individuals are looking to create false rain, false clouds to produce rain in order to help with uh, agriculture or just straight up living because you need drinking water. Right. So... Theorists then go on to say, as I said before, that these rain-making techniques or weather manipulation techniques can be used on behalf of the powers that are currently in power so that other countries that are, um, what is the word that I'm looking for? Basically under the control of quote-unquote natural phenomenon have to continuously reach out to the powers for help keeping them more under control of the powers mm. so that they have to do what the main powers want, whether that is their uh, access to their natural resources or placing individuals in power that they would like, or, you know, allowing um, storage or other illegal activities such as slave labor to continue. Oh, okay. 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 Right. So then, of course, they used uh, many other examples in terms of weather control or yada, yada, yada. Um, But yeah, so it is not as far-fetched as I want it to be in my head because these things in this day and age can happen. We have the technology for it. Now, will the government actually tell us that they are making rain clouds? Maybe not. But I, before I conclude this little segment on the weather manipulation, I did want to throw in another little segment that I did see, uh, that I saw, excuse me, that was bad English, um, on the weather manipulation. And that was, was in conjunction with NASA. Um, so apparently, according to the conspiracy theorists again, so it is not backed by any type of facts, um, they create these unnatural natural phenomena in the sky when we have um meteoric events going on so that the public is not afraid so basically you know all those meteors that passed by this year that were really really close and somehow were clouds that same night even though it was forecast as sunny all day with no clouds but somehow clouds were produced in the last hour when the meteors were supposed to be visible. Right. They're saying that they're using clouds as a technique to shield the public from what is actually happening so that they can keep us 
in a controlled state and not a panic state because a panic state means that uh, there will be uproar and uh, laws will not be followed and rules that were once made will be broken by the people because the trust would have been broken because we would have been lied to about what is actually going on. So That's actually really fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. Because I had a friend who was, there was a meteor shower that was visible from where we were um, last week. And I literally had a friend, like, drive out well, a whole bunch of other friends uh, to, like, some farm that one of them owned to be able to watch it. And it was supposed to be a clear night. And apparently it was super cloudy. So they really didn't get to see anything. So the I whole night. Exactly what talking about. I also drove out far enough to try to see it because we were supposed to have a clear night. It was forecast right. to be not cloudy at all. Yeah, and that's why like a whole bunch of them like planned to do it and they checked the weather and that's why they still went. And then they ended up not seeing anything. Mm-hmm. Very so interesting. Okay. Very interesting. Okay. <laughs> but um if you guys do want to, you already know I had to no, plug it in. Um, I found a book. Hey, on- there are actually a good amount of books that you can look into about Harp. Right? But this one focuses on the ultimate weapon of weather control conspiracy, and it is by Jerry E. Smith. So Ooh. if you want to know a little bit more, you can look in on that book because I had to find one because I found you guys one the last time. So I, I felt as though I had to keep it up. We love But that. I know there is one other aspect of harm that is a little bit more juicy than the weather control. Would you like to tell us? Yeah, yes, I would. And uh, that's that's the mind control part. Ooh, men in black type of shit. MK Ultra type of shit. But <laughs> <laughs> so the United States is no stranger to decades of mind control conspiracies, ranging from all of our intelligence to joint with other countries. To uh, how they distribute media, you know, mind control, not not a, a new conspiracy theory. However, it's very interesting when it comes to harp. So I've got some some of the a uh, couple of the theories that people have had in the past, and then I have a relatively new theory, and I'm very excited to have a little conversation about that. Uh, very spicy. So let's let's start from the beginning. So. One of the biggest conspiracy, one of the biggest mind control phenomenas or ag- allegations again, like accusations against Harp, uh, was that some people blame Harp for causing several airline crashes in the early two thousands, and apparently Harp caused the two thousand and three destruction of the space shuttle Columbia. So I'm like. How do they do that? So a couple theories around these events, like the several uh, plane crashes and then this space shuttle destruction. So some people say that Harp sent out frequencies that mind control, like the pilots to like lose control or, or consciousness for a second. And it just threw the plane out of whack and they couldn't save it. And that's one of the reasons that they went down. There's another theory that Harp like transmitted, 
a, fr a frequency that we couldn't hear but causes damage to certain electrical things and it caused electrical malfunctions in the air in the airlines and in the shuttle very spicy and one of them i think part of one of the conspiracies uh around the space shuttle disruption was that you know how harp can heat up part of the ionosphere that they pinpointed where the shuttle was coming down and like heated up that part and like caused a whole bunch of malfunctions and like stuff like that and and, and it ended up in the destruction of the shuttle so that was that's a couple things that harp allegedly did because it's the one of the world's most powerful transmitting facilities a lot of people bought into those types of conspiracy theories they're like if it's so powerful then obviously you can transmit frequencies that we people don't understand or or don't care to learn about and we can easily make up stories to make things a little bit more understandable for certain, for people obviously harp denies every conspiracy theory they deny that that's they can't even do that <laughs> they're like we can't even do that over here fam but some people also say that harp at their control centers that scientists can pulse and shape and sort of direct blasts of high frequency radio waves so they're like oh easy harp just blasted the air that like the planes and they're like it just disrupted navigation so, like they can like temporarily disrupt navigation systems and cause planes to crash because if their navigation system doesn't work they don't know if there's another plane approaching until it's too late yada yada and we cause a colla uh, a collision very, very interesting stuff. Um, so a lot of the accusations were around that sort of thing, that they caused crashes and, and some devastating, you know, loss of life. There are a couple other fringe mind control theories saying that, you know how we earlier mentioned that when HARP does an experiment, you can tell that the antennas are on because of the, the, the loud, high-pitched noise that's heard like miles and miles away. So some people say that the reason that they do it, they don't do it every day, one, because it's super annoying, but um, they do it every couple months. So it's sort of like a refresher thing that especially they're, they're experimenting on the communities in Alaska around them that can hear that. Right. How does that affect them? Do they like so they're saying that they, the noise and the frequency of the buzzing and the noise that they set out actually can cause imbalances in your brain chemistry. So not so much as direct mind control and turning you into a zombie, but sort of changing the chemical makeup and, and the chemical reactions in your brain that can cause out of characteristic behavior in a person. Oh my God. Yeah. So that so that's a spicy one. So they're saying like they don't even want to like control you and tell you to to, you know destroy the bourgeoisie or some shit they're just gonna make you into a different possibly more violent person if you like take too much of the 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 beat like the noise in that reminds me of another thing that happened in like brazil where the u.s embassy there i mean is it brazil or cuba i cannot remember i'm pretty sure it's cuba actually Havana. um where the u.s embassy there was a noise apparently where only the U.S. Uh, individuals in the office uh, were inhibited by it, and they had, like, no meetings and stuff, but they could never, like, link it to anything that happened. Oh, that's weird. It was, like, the Havana fever or some shit. Huh. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. And this was, like, real, like, 
not a conspiracy, but it's something that actually happened. Oh, well, we can look into that. That's spicy. Right? Holy crap, yeah. But yes, I do apologize. Sorry. I keep interjecting like mini stories like we're on a fucking No, you're totally cool. It's such it's a great topic, so we could chat. But this one, the one that I'm most excited about, we're gonna we're gonna cut to modern day, okay? All that shit happened in the 1990s. We're past that. So we're in the age of 5G, you know. (laughs) And trust me, 5G has its own laundry list of conspiracy theories already. But now we got 5G plus harp so let's talk about that so supposedly 5g is the latest tool that the government is using to enslave and manipulate the population via remote mind control right that's part that's one of the famous 5g conspiracies and that it kills birds and blah 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 all that fun stuff so now there's a a super fringe conspiracy theory saying that harp is now tuned into the 5G network, bro, so that they can transmit their like frequencies and then and mind control ideas over a faster, smoother, like more incognito sort of framework. And because we have 5G towers all over the country, they're like, easy, hop taps into that, and now they can spread that through the entire United States, so everyone is at risk. Yeah, that's a, that's a big one. Jesus. Tinfoil hats will not save you, fam. I mean, I feel like if it's thick enough, it would. Oh my god. You just gotta use the extra strong, like, what's a good brand? I don't know. Not the great Reynolds wrap. Yeah, what? That isn't that plastic wrap? No, bitch. I mean, unless they make plastic wrap. Oh shit! Okay. Either. Oh, the blue box with the pink at the sides. Okay. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Back on topic. Back on topic. Yeah, and just to reiterate one more time for everyone to know, Harp denies everything. So all of these are merely theories that you can find in books written by conspiracy theorists and fringe internet message boards. You know, you got you got to make sure people know that this is not <laughs> something that we're yeah, trying to. It's not at all backed by anybody who is, uh, you know, important. Right. But, uh... but yeah, that brings us to the close of our second conspiracy theory episode. And of course, don't forget, if you have any suggestions on what you want the next conspiracy theory to be, hit us up. Oh, yeah, for sure. Follow us on Twitter at IGMP Podcast. I always link our Twitter in the show notes, so please feel free to follow us. Uh, We'll start shouting out people who follow us, okay? Because they're cool peeps. They are cool. And once again... Everyone, please have a happy holidays, no matter what you celebrate, or even if you don't. We hope everyone is making it through these cold, sad times, and we hope we can bring a little bit of laughter to your day. And don't forget, stay safe, and if you go out, wear your mask, and if you see somebody not wearing a mask, elbow them. But not really, because I think that's illegal, but, like, elbow them mentally. Yes. Correct. (laughs) And don't worry, if, if you can't elbow them, the 5G will get them. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. 
Until next time, pals. We're the gals. Peace. Bye. Happy New Year. Ooh, Happy New Year.